You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you are listening to the Savage Love podcast, the weekly audio version of my sex advice column, Savage Love, which you downloaded at www.thestranger.com/savage. The number here, if you want to record a question for a future podcast, two zero six two zero one. 2720. It's now officially week two of Ted Haggard's complete heterosexuality, and I couldn't be prouder of uh, we Ted. If you think Ted Haggard is going to fall off the wagon, if you don't think he's going to be completely heterosexual for long, there's a website for you uh, to go and uh, put your money where your mouth is. BetOnTed.com. You can make a wager. Uh, half the wager, half the half the betting will be split between uh, the winners and Lyric, a young, loud, and proud San Francisco youth group dedicated to building LGBTQQXYPDZ community and inspiring social change. Because social change needs so much inspiration. But you can go there. Go there. Go, go there. Read all about it. You can also read about it at Susie Bright's website. But go to betonted.com if you want to uh, lay odds, put some money down on Ted Haggard, uh, chowing down on some uh, other escorts cock at some point in the next uh, year. Anyway, let's get to the calls. Uh, so my question is, my girlfriend of about a year and a half has recently started smoking um, in the last, oh, probably month or so. And I don't think she's doing it too much, maybe, you know, one or two cigarettes every day or two. Um, she hasn't actually told me, but, you know, I've been able to smell it in her apartment and on her and so I'm, I'm certain that she's doing it. Um, I don't, you know, approve of smoking, and I'm sure that's why she hasn't told me, but I recognize that it is her choice and it's her, you know, freedom to, to do that if she wishes. So my question is, um, should I bring it up to her, you know, tell her I know, or should I let her, you know, when she feels more comfortable, you tell me or, or, you know, when, when I happen to stop by and she's smoking or something, you know, it'll obviously come up then. Um, and the question is, when it does come up, what should I tell her? Should I tell her that, you know, I, I don't approve and should I make an issue out of it? Or should I tell her that I don't approve, but it's, you know, her choice and it's her decision? Um, and, you know, she's obviously an adult and can make that kind of decision on her own. Or should I just not anything at all blah 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 you're such a fucking pussy look you know what you know about her she's your girlfriend she's smoking you think it's gross and disgusting you don't approve if it's a deal breaker for you say so obviously she's not smoking much she's not completely ragingly addicted yet will be soon if you don't fucking get a spine and open your goddamn mouth and say something and you have a right for it to be a fucking deal breaker for you smoking is one of those things that you know ruins relationships uh smokers need to date smokers smokers need to smoker sort uh and run off with smokers and leave non-smokers at peace uh and, and you need to be stopping such a fucking pussy like tell her that you don't like it and you want it to stop and that it turns you off and and you know it's her right but it makes her less attractive to you and you know you worry about her and her health maybe that's just the nudge she needs if it's only a couple of cigarettes a day and she's ashamed of herself already and is hiding it from you to fucking stop smoking and to, to not become an addict if you speak up now you fucking pussy and you don't wait six months and hem and haw about what you have a right to tell her what you don't have a right to tell her you know when you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend you really have a right to to make certain demands 
Uh, it's one of the things that, you know, the reasons why they look at, you know, people in long-term relationships tend to live longer. One of the reasons I think you tend to live longer when you're in a long-term relationship or a marriage is because somebody else is standing there with their arms folded across their chest looking at you while you inhale the fucking gallon-size uh, chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream thing and looks at you and goes, you know, that's probably not the best idea, fatso. And then you put the fucking ice cream down. Oh, did it hurt your feelings? Maybe. Oh, do you have a right to inhale as much fucking ice cream as you want? Yeah. But sometimes you need the other person to uh, to be the bad cop and to uh, police your uh, your your you know your more idiotic choices. Uh, be, be they sexual, be they smoking, be they food, be they not getting any exercise, whatever. Uh, that's one of the reasons we have a mate is for the mate to you know suck our dicks, be nice to us, take us to dinner. But every once in a while to slap us on the back of the side of the head, you know, slap us upside the head and say, don't be such a fucking idiot. What the fuck are you doing? That's what you need to say to your girlfriend. You need to say it right now. Hi, Dan. It's Alicia. I am 21 years old and I'm bisexual. Um, my question for you has to do with coming out. I'm very, very close to my family. They're very Roman Catholic and I feel like... Well, first off, that I am hiding from them by not telling them. And secondly, I'm worried that my not being honest with them about my preferences is keeping me from sort of exploring the side of myself that's into girls. Because if I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have to come out. And so I'm just wondering if I should, and if so, should I wait until I maybe have a girlfriend, or should I come out now, or what should I do? First, here's what you shouldn't do. You should absolutely not wait until you have a girlfriend to come out to your family, your Roman Catholic family, because then they're going to blame your girlfriend for causing your bisexuality. If only this girl, this lesbo or this other bi girl hadn't come along their perfect little roman catholic baptized confirmed daughter would not be eating pussy right now and they'll put it all on her and they'll blame her and it'll put her in an awful and uncomfortable uh unfair position uh, so you need to come out to them now uh if this is holding you back if you'd be out there chomping down uh you know having three ways with mary cheney and heather poe but for uh being closeted around your family you need to come out so come out tell them you're bisexual they'll cry, they'll gnash their teeth, they'll cross their fingers and hope you wind up with a man uh, when you grow up, and odds are that you will, and everything will work out just fine. So, come out, come out now. Hey, Dan. A friend of mine who's 22 or 23 likes to fuck 17-year-olds. Um, I've seen, read in your column before that, uh, you know, fetishes are good, and, and these things need to come out, otherwise they will consume our lives, and doom will happen, if not in those exact words, that's the basic gist. But this is, like, you know, really, really illegal, and it's also kind of icky. So I was wondering if there's anything I can tell him other than stop it, this is a bad idea, don't do this, and that's about it. Okay, Dick, we just listened to your question, to your call, the, your recording. And so you have a friend who's banging 17-year-old girls who's straight, who's 23. Yeah. And you're worried about him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of the guy, type of guy who's like, you preface everything with, I love the guy, but, and then you proceed to rip the hell out of him. Why do you love and, the guy? You know, he's, he's a nice guy, and, you know, I'm sure he means well in other things. 
it's just. But he's got some weird immature streak. He's going after teenage girls, and that bothers yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, you need to separate the icky factor from the illegal factor, because depending on where you are, 17 may or may not be illegal. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, so, and, you know, it may or may not be a, you know, he's not, certainly not a pedophile, because pedophile means prepubescent. Uh, and, you know, 17-year-olds are may not be completely mature adults, mm-hmm. but they are physically completely adults. Right. So he's not attracted to kids. It's not illegal. Um, what it says about someone when, you know, they're in their mid-20s already and they're still going after high school kids, mm-hmm. girls, women, uh, is that there's a certain immaturity there that causes discomfort. Because what they're saying is, they, you know, they can't, risk being with someone who may see through them, who may be mature enough to really assess their character, so they bang young people. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Exclusively, they bang young people because, you know, they're easier to fool. (laughs) Um, True. And so that, you know, feeling like you're party to that can make you really uncomfortable. When you're somebody's friend and you end up hanging out with with their boyfriends or girlfriends, you're kind of vouching for them as a human being. And I've been in this, you know, had these experiences where I'm like hanging out with guys who are, you know, 28, who I know, who are dating 18 year olds, mm-hmm. and you know, by by being with all three of them, what you're saying to the 18 year old, but you know, you're implying that you know this is guy's a good guy, you like him, and you approve of this relationship. Okay. And if you don't, and you can't, and you can't vouch for him emotionally. You can't vouch for him as a person, you know, who has relationships. You can't vouch for his interrelational skills. You need to not hang out with him, particularly when he's with these uh, girlies that he's dating. And you should probably, you know, invest a little time in confronting him about why he's doing exactly what he's doing. Because mm-hmm. also, you know, it's not like he's 33. It's not right. like he's 28. The, the age difference between 17 and 23 is not as severe as between 28 and 17 or 33 and 17. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah. Izzy Spicoli or whatever that character was from whatever that movie was, who observed uh, wisely that uh, we keep getting older and older, but high school girls stay the same age. Uh, you know, was, was he dating seventeen-year-olds at seventeen, seventeen-year-olds at eighteen, seventeen-year-olds at nineteen, seventeen-year-olds at twenty-two, seventeen-year-olds at twenty-three, mm-hmm. or is yeah. it just like he happened to meet a couple of seventeen-year-old uh, girls in a row? I, you know, at this point it could be other way, but he does like to talk about how you know he. Uh, we would kind of, we kind of jokingly call him a pedophile, and he I think he kind of enjoys that a little bit, <laughs> which which is kind of where a little bit of the ickiness comes from. He also talks about liking virgins, which is kind of where the whole hey maybe he's liking to fool people thing hmm, comes more in. and more gruesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've joked my friends jokingly call me a pedophile because uh, my boyfriend is thirty five, but when I met him twelve years ago, he was twenty three, and he looked like he was about sixteen. Uh, and so everyone sort of jokingly called me a pedophile, which is fine, uh, and I, uh, you know, good-naturedly put up with the ribbing. And, but what people were kind of doing was sort of, I think, policing me a little bit, going, hey, hey, this is funny, your boyfriend's really young-looking, hope that's a coincidence. <laughs> Do you know what right. I mean? Right. And if it's not a coincidence for him, and it's something that, you know, speaks to a major character flaw that you can't sign off on, you need to state your case, and then decide whether you're going to be his friend or not. Okay. Because something that can pull him up short is the realization that people see what's going on and don't approve, and he needs to examine his motives, his approach, who he's going after, and why, and think about it and give it some hard thought. Okay.
But that won't happen if you guys don't slap around a little bit, as well you should, in a non-jokey way. Not just, ah, uh, gentle ribbing, pedophile. But if you think the gentle ribbing hasn't broken through at all, maybe a, a smack. Right. Okay. Okay, Dick? All right. Thank you. Sure thing. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I'm a uh, straight male in my 50s, living in the city. And uh, I'd like to bring up the subject of seeing sex professionals. And isn't this one of the last remaining incredibly taboo subjects in American society? I know you've recommended in the column that uh, people seek out escorts or prostitutes or whatever for various reasons. And uh, honestly, I am one of those people who does seek out a great-looking escort on occasion. And I think it makes me a happier and ultimately a, a healthier person. But at the same time, I am very aware that most people in America don't seem to feel that way about it, or at least they don't vote that way. And uh, many people seem to be disgusted, uh, threatened, uh, both perhaps, by the idea of a man paying a woman for sex. Uh, and last year, when uh, that massive sting operation occurred in Seattle, where all those blokes were arrested for uh, responding to sex ads on Craigslist and I think in The Stranger as well. I felt like uh, this is uh, like the religious police. You know, surely the voters are going to rise up in disgust and get that all changed. So I don't understand. It uh, feels like there must have been some huge collective uh, sense of shame about the whole thing that nobody could dare talk about it. And uh, could you please explain then uh, why exactly is this behavior considered to be so shameful and so worthy of discouragement? Uh, thank you. That was a good question. Not so briefly put, but good, good enough. Uh, when it comes to questions about sex work and the sex industry and prostitution, I always like to chat up my good friend, uh, Mistress Matisse, at mistressmatisse.com. And so we're going to give her a call and bounce your question off her. Hey, Matisse, how are you? Hi, Dan. I'm great. Uh, so I got that question about the shame and whatever around sex work, and I decided that I would uh, bounce it off my favorite sex worker, which is you. Oh, I'm so pleased to be that. That's just great. <laughs> uh, even though I bet there are sex workers you probably would like better than you'd like me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, well, my favorite to bounce questions off of. If I'm going to bounce myself <laughs> off a sex worker, I might go with somebody else. Someone a little more butch than me. Well, <laughs> I thought about this, and it's, shame is an interesting thing. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot of layers to this. He's, he's asking as a man, and I think, so I would sort of direct the first part of this to why it's so shameful for men to to buy the services of sex workers. Um, and he had an accent, so I wonder if he was an American listener or not. But I am an American, so of course everything I say is about America. Um, and I think part of it is this uniquely kind of American land of opportunity thing that we have where, you know, paying for sex, sex is like this birthright thing, and we shouldn't have to pay for it. We should just get it, like, you know, sunshine and, you know, highways, and uh, it's just this thing um, and that we're sort of just, we, we think we should have it. And that's a really relatively new kind of historical, cultural feeling. But, we, but don't we all acknowledge that sex is a commodity? Why is this the only commodity we feel weird about paying cash money for? Yeah. Or there's this shame about paying cash money for when it is so thoroughly commodified? Yeah. 
But if you were, you know, if you were just, you know, beautiful enough or smart enough or sexy enough or whatever enough, you wouldn't have to, which is a complete lie. Which is where the, you know, the personal, like, sort of uh, humiliation of having to buy it comes in. Because if you're good-looking enough, you wouldn't have to pay for it. If you, you know, you were as handsome as Donald Trump, you could get any supermodel to be your wife. Oh, my God. Because uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's no monetary exchange there. No, none whatsoever. And he's, he's yeah, devastatingly handsome guy, really. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm overcome with lust whenever I look at him. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's funny because so many of my clients actually are handsome guys who could get girlfriends uh, or whatever elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, choose to come to see me because it's, you know, in many ways it's an emotionally cleaner transaction. There is no there's no lingering kind of emotional debt to pay. It's like, no, nope, no, nope, he's there, he's gone, it's all good, I expect nothing more. You do professional domination. I, I do, but I mean, I, I've, been in, I've been in the sex industry for 20 years and I've been an escort mm-hmm. uh, and done straight up sex for money. And uh, Because a lot of the people that I recommend to go see a pro, usually it's somebody with some elaborate... Uh, fantasy scenario or something they want to have happen with a minimum of emotional entanglement, like you say, and they want to know like where the magic bar is that's full of like bisexual girls that want to have a three-way with a straight couple and then evaporate immediately <laughs> afterwards. And I always tell those people, well, like, you know, bye. That's where the, you know I think the sex industry is a real godsend and a, and a savior. Um, and a lot of those people feel they shouldn't, you know, are trapped in that idea. Well, I shouldn't have to pay for sex because I'm, you know, good-looking enough. And goddamn it, people like me. Well, then you're going to have to work for it. I mean, you can buy it or you can work for it, but but the idea that you shouldn't even have to buy nor work um, is silly, yeah. So one of the things the guy seemed to bring up, the caller, was, you know, why isn't there a groundswell to decriminalize prostitution? Prostitution is decriminalized in, you know, parts of Germany. It's decriminalized in all of Australia, of course, Holland, and famously Nevada, outside of Las Vegas County or whatever. Um, why is, you know, despite the fact that there's a huge number of uh, you know, sex workers in the United States and lots of men and women go to see them, gay and straight. Why do you think there is no sort of movement to decriminalize uh, prostitution? Well, there's plenty of movements so that they can't, I mean, no politician will touch the issue because it's career suicide. I mean, we can't even get this country to give young girls vaccines to keep them from getting cancer because it's kind of somehow connected with sex and this is going to make them have more sex. I mean, can you imagine what people would say if we were going to decriminalize prostitution? Uh, there's just and and it upsets liberals as well because um, there's the perception of the kind of the oppressed and downtrodden exploited prostitute to contend with and they get upset by that and they refuse to acknowledge that usually it's prohibition that makes that oppression uh, happen it, it, or makes it worse yeah yeah I mean it certainly will not will not help them and it may definitely make it worse uh, yeah so you can't you certainly can't get conservatives you know to to rise up in favor and and you can't get liberals either so one more question before we let you get back to beating handsome guys <laughs> uh, why are Americans so comfortable with their hypocrisy? What is it about American culture? you know you look at drugs like I always think the you know are there, that there isn't a movement to criminalize prostitution or much of one um, or a very powerful one uh, is really analogous there is no movement to decriminalize marijuana. You know, it's out there, everybody knows how to get it, everybody, tons and millions and millions of people use it, for the most part people turn a blind eye to it, every once in a while there's a bust, and we all shrug our shoulders and go on. Same thing with prostitution, and yet we seem to be so comfortable, you know, with this hypocrisy that it's out there and, you know, you can't control it, we all know it, but it's illegal, we're not going to do anything about it. What, where does that come from? Oh, we are a culture that loves kind of black and white pronouncements, and, and yeah, we don't like to examine nuances. 
Uh, we are uncomfortable with nuances in this country. And to, to address something like, like drug use or you know, prostitution, we have to say, you know, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not. You kind of have to weigh the whole situation and, and look at it. And we don't want to do that. We, no, no. So we say it's bad, but we do it anyway. And that way we don't have to really examine it. But it's like we say, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not. But officially, we want it to be illegal. Because, you know, really no one ought to be doing this. So we're going to ignore the fact that people are, and just let it be illegal. It's the pure And let it destroy some people's lives every once in a while. They get swept up in a prostitution bust or a a drug bust. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that way we 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 have control and we can clamp down if it gets too much. If we said it was okay all the time, then it would be harder to clamp down on what we saw as something that might be sort of threatening to society. Which brings us to fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's completely fear-based thing. Because I think that a lot of people assume that if prostitution were decriminalized, uh, that every, no one would have sex with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse anymore. It would just be all prostitutes all the time. Just like the way people assume that if drugs were decriminalized, everyone would be fucked up on drugs all the time. And that's just not true. I know, you know, I have, I live in Seattle. The streets are paved with heroin. If I wanted to be fucked up all the time, I could be fucked up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I know a lot of people who can get me all the drugs I want, and yet I'm not fucked up all the time because I don't want to be fucked up all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's you know, it would destroy the sacred institution of marriage, you know, which of course, you know, is is perfect and pristine now and must you know, forever remain untarnished. Uh, so yeah, no one, no one's capable of making free choice. It's it's a question of yeah, we have to make choices for them, and we have to make them very black and white. So this, to, to this man, you would say the odds are there will never be a, a movement in the United States uh, with any power. No, with any power. No, there are tons of little grassroots things. I've been part of it myself, uh, and they will not get traction because it, it, it's career suicide for a politician. Do you know any websites you can go to to read about the decriminalization movement? For um, sexwork.org has some stuff up. Yeah. And some uh, probably some links of their own. Yeah, definitely more links, yeah. And your website, of course, is mistressmatisse.com, where yeah. people can... See about your services and read your journal. Read my journal, yes, my, my surprisingly popular uh, blog, which still remains the same. But yes, please come read me. Well, thanks for joining us, Mr. Smatiz. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you later. Right, bye bye. Well, that wraps up the big podcast for this week. This was the Savage Love Podcast. I'm Dan Savage. This is the audio version of my weekly sex advice column, Savage Love, which you read weekly papers all over the goddamn place. You downloaded this at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog most every day at thestranger.com slash blog. And if you want to record a question for a future podcast, you can do so at 206 201 Please leave a phone number so we can get in touch with you if you want. If we want to, uh, we will not broadcast your phone number or your real name. So give us a call, and we'll talk to you next week on the podcast. <laughs>